From Boston University and BU Alumni Relations, welcome to Proud to Be You Around the World. I'm your host, Jeff Murphy, and this season, we're taking the podcast on the road to meet some of our most interesting and accomplished alumni navigating life and careers in cities across the globe. My guest today is Bill Cohen. Bill graduated from the Questrom School of Business in the class of 1974. Since leaving BU, he's worked in several industries, including hospitality, financial services, and state government. Bill went on to launch what he calls his encore career as a caregiving support consultant, and he now provides Alzheimer's support and care advice to families nationwide. In this episode of the podcast, Bill and I talked about how he built such a multifaceted career and the personal journey that inspired him to pursue the work he's doing today. Bill Cohen, thank you so much for joining us on the Proud to Be You podcast. Thanks, Jeff. I'm really excited. I've been looking forward to this. I'm speaking to you. You're in Portland, Oregon today, right? Yes, a southwest suburb called Tualatin. Are you originally from the northwest, or where'd you grow up? I am originally from the Hartford, Connecticut area. Oh, okay. Interesting. I still say I am a New Englander because I was raised in the Hartford area, went to school in Boston, and mostly vacationed in Vermont. Okay. Well, tell us a little bit about the work that you're doing now. You have a really interesting career story that I want to drill down on, but, but shortly tell us what, what your job is right now. I was my late mother's caregiver. She had Alzheimer's. I was on a 10-year journey with her. She passed away seven years ago at the age of 83. And skipping a few aspects of this, that I am an advisor or guide to family caregivers so they can help take care of their person, their loved one living with dementia with advice, guidance, support, resources and referrals and helps reduce their stress and their time, et cetera. Well, I'm so sorry to hear about your story with your mom and that you've lost her. And uh, But I, I am so excited to have you on the podcast because I know so many alumni and people who are listening to this are probably going through something similar. So I'm really glad to talk to you about that. But first, let's rewind the clock. How did you sure. find yourself at BU? I mean, you started out uh, in the what was then the College of Business Administration. How did you, how did you come to BU? How did you land on, on Boston? So I was looking at a few schools like most uh, people do. I was going to go into a business program. Originally, I was heading towards my father's property casualty insurance business, and the determining factor between the schools was the energy and the excitement on campus. Hmm. It just felt right, as opposed to some other colleges, and I've never had any regrets about that decision, and the education was, of course, appropriate as well except I got deterred or detoured into another area, the hospitality management field. Mm. Well, let, let's keep talking about BU. Tell me more. I'm, I'm so glad sure. to hear that you had that great experience. Um, where did? Tell me some of the things about, like, where did you live on campus, and where were you hanging out outside of class? Sounds like some of the questions I like to ask other alumni in our events. <laughs> That's why I'm asking <laughs> you, because everybody has such yeah. a unified experience to draw on, you know. Exactly. So my first two years were at West Campus, on the 13th floor overlooking Nickerson Field towards Charles River. And then I was uh, one year on Bay State Road, which became, uh, it was called Boyd Hall at the time. It became, I believe, the trustee dorm or trustee scholars dorm. And then I was uh, about the last year and a half in Boston. I lived on Beacon Hill right up the street from uh, Mass General 
because I was uh, working at the Sinesta Hotel across the river. Oh, so even while you were here still studying business, you, you've sort of dabbled in hospitality. Correct. Okay, interesting. How, now tell me more about the academic side. Were there classes that you remember that really stood out to you, people that you, you know, professors or otherwise, people that when you, you look back you think had a real big impact on you while you were here on campus? I think what comes to mind first is because I was moving to increasingly towards the hospitality field, which was a, which of course is a people-oriented industry, I was taking uh, organizational development, behavioral science classes the most, and I remember a couple of classes, including a seminar with Professor George Labovitz, and that just uh, resonated with me and it seemed the most applicable to the hospitality industry. And I remember one uh, seminar we did in particular where we did a study at a one of the nearby community, well, I think it was Lincoln Sudbury, if I'm not mistaken, and did a study of their organization and communication, all that stuff. And that was a very memorable experience. Hmm. And he was a great professor. I think he passed away not that long ago. Oh, well. well, I know, you know, it's great to hear you tell us more about how you've, you know, in all the years later, you when you look back at BU, that you don't have any regrets. I know that you actually are a member of our Claflin Society, and that means that you mm-hmm. actually have Boston University in your will. Um, first of all, thank yes. you. I'm hoping you can just tell mm-hmm. us a little bit more about what inspired you to do that. Well, I think like most alumni, it's a combination of the academics, it's the life on campus, it's having a Boston as your extended campus. I was involved with the ski club. In fact, I helped start one back then in the 70s. Can you believe it? There wasn't one beforehand. Yeah. And all those experiences, it changed my life. If I had gone to school, let's say, in Connecticut, I don't think I ever would have left Connecticut. But by having that diversity and exposure to so many different influences at BU and Boston itself, it changed my life. It, it made me uh, move around the country a bit and then continue to uh, enjoy new experiences. So it broadened my horizons. I think that's one of the main things. And we know that over the years, uh, BU has been traditionally one of the most diverse and internationally represented uh, universities. And so that whole experience, when I started doing my state planning, BU, you know, rose to the top right at the beginning, uh, along with any other planning that I did. It was number one. Well, we really appreciate hearing that, and and thank you for your support. Um, I want to talk a little bit about your quote-unquote first career. Um, Now, uh, you told me that you were already kind of working in hospitality while you were still a student. Is that what led to your first real, quote-unquote, real job after graduating? Yes, exactly. I I did various positions. Actually, it was a series of uh, hotels in the uh, in the area first uh, summer uh, at the Hartford Sinesta no longer exists. Uh, used to be a, it was one of the hotels at the airport, and then I started working at the Cambridge Sinesta, and I did everything from busboy to cook to cashier to server, you name it, I did it, mm. and it was it gave me a wide range of experience while doing a lot of my papers there at the hotels because it was a wonderful lab, shall we say. Uh. Uh, I drew from that the interrelationships, the interactions among the employees. And as I was getting close to graduation, a little side note, I got interested, uh, I got tired of the New England ice skating, and I <laughs> wanted to try uh, skiing in Utah. I had gone there once, 
And I ended up moving out there and became first an assistant banquet manager and then a banquet manager later on. And it became a 14-year career. So Boston to Connecticut to Utah. And I know if, uh, you know, (laughs) I've obviously spent some time checking out your LinkedIn profile. If my notes are correct, you then made a pretty big change and went back towards the world of, of business and, and became a financial planner and an investment advisor. What what inspired exactly. you to, to change courses like that? Well, I guess I was getting a little burned out in the long hours and other factors about the hospitality industry. It be it could be rewarding, but it could be hard work. Sure. And I thought I'd look back at financial services, my original goal I ended up getting trained at an old line New England Mutual that is no longer around, and then went towards investments and financial planning, and that was a 10-year career. Yeah, it was rewarding. Uh, it just didn't work out, shall we say. It's yeah. a, it can be a demanding uh, field, and it turned out it also wasn't right for me long-term. Yeah, I could only wonder if it's if it's some way informs some of the work that you're doing now as a consultant. But um, absolutely, yeah, we'll absolutely. get there. How how did you make your way out to Oregon? When did that happen? After uh, Utah, I was also in uh, New Orleans and mm. then Sarasota, Florida. Okay, I skipped. Uh, moved around where I wanted to move in the hotel business. Mm. Met my wife along the way. Got married in along the way. But we were looking. We were in Sarasota, working at Longbow Key, even though it's a beautiful place. A place more like New England, if not New England itself, we change the seasons, et cetera. And I was still in the hospitality industry, and I applied for jobs in Vermont and Boston and Utah and Colorado, et cetera. But we eventually moved out to Oregon, sight unseen, because we had heard so many wonderful things about it, and it actually exceeded our expectations. There's a lot of similarities between Portland and uh, New England, and I felt right at home immediately. I should add that I did almost get hired back at the Cambridge Sinesta at that time. Unfortunately, I didn't get the position, but it would have been interesting to be back in Boston as a, uh, in a working environment rather than academic. So in Oregon, you had what looks to me to be the bulk of your career within one organization seemingly from from the outside maybe not so much related to what you studied or even what you've been doing in hospitality tell us about that job so uh everybody's favorite uh agency dmv except for maybe <laughs> your irs uh i towards the last uh 10 12 years i was i guess how we put it uh the boring version of this a regulatory compliance inspector uh third-party inspector to be a little more interesting if you know what a CDL is, a commercial driver mm-hmm. license, yep. I was able to travel all over Oregon. It's a pretty good state. And make sure that the people given the test to drive those big trucks and those buses, uh, make sure they were doing their job right. And the best part of it was I was building relationships. I was helping people do their job better. I was helping make our roads and our communities safer. And I got to see parts of the state that I never would have uh, seen otherwise. And I had a sense of autonomy while I was doing it because while I was out there, I didn't have anybody looking over my shoulder. I was able to do my job, do it well, but do it the way I felt it should be done. As long as it was within the parameters of my uh, job description, I did. I had no problem with that. Yeah. But it also became a spark later for I think I'd like to be an entrepreneur again. <laughs> So one, I, I 
you and I have talked before today, and one of the things I appreciate about your story is that it just sounds like BU. Even though you've lived all over the country, you've had these seemingly disparate career pieces, but it seems like BU has been a constant in your life. You, you've lived in Oregon for a long, long time. Portland is something like our, I think it's our number 23 alumni city. We, have, we think we have roughly 2,000 alumni living in the, the greater Portland mm-hmm. area. And over the years, you have actually hosted for us dozens of networking events in Portland. What, what inspired you to want to do that? And, and why did you, you know, want to get involved in helping BU alumni connect with each other in Oregon? Well, I ha- at first I had a little bit of an ulterior motive being that I was new to the financial services industry. And I I don't know if you know the term natural market. (laughs) I didn't know anybody. I did not know anybody. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to connect with people that I had commonality with. Uh, My, uh, the university and a lot of the, and other alumni, uh, my, my cultural background, things like that. And that's where I had to work. But I immediately started finding out that, and it was a lot smaller alumni at the time. Yeah. I think it's grown by about four times yeah, yeah, yeah. And the figure, uh, based on the figure you mentioned, uh, many wonderful alumni in the area, uh, prominent government, nonprofit and government and, uh, private sector leaders and, and citizens, uh, anywhere from the museum of science to, uh, the house majority leader in the, in the, uh, our legislature, people like that, just all over and made some wonderful relationships over the years who are friends to this day. Mm. And that's been remarkable over 30 years. I, I just enjoyed that. There was no alumni chapter at the time. Right. Yeah. In the, we're talking the late eighties mm-hmm. and, uh, it's been very rewarding. Did it help uh, had, with your business at the end of the day? Did it? Did it? Uh, did you accomplish your goal of, you know, getting some clients? A little bit, uh, indirectly. I mean, again, I don't think anybody in the industry directly says, uh, "Hi, I'm Bill. I'm a BU alum, and please buy for me." <laughs> You're building relationships, right? And if they know, get to know, like, and trust you, uh, they will do business with you, and uh, mm-hmm. that carries over to today. Uh, it goes along with the work that I'm doing now. Uh, those, so those were skills that I was able to develop at that time. Yeah. So the thing that I'm most excited to, to talk about is your quote-unquote second act career. You and I have, I think, used that term together when we talked previously. We or just encore have, career. Encore, yes, encore thank career. you. Encore. <laughs> we just have so many alumni, I think, like you, who have these remarkable careers who in thinking about, you know, starting to wind down, maybe just aren't done yet and feel like they've got more to accomplish. And, and certainly, unfortunately, in a lot of cases, you know, it's, it, it can be a financial decision that keeps people in the workforce longer than they thought. But I was just so glad to have a chance to, to talk with you about your encore and kind of ha- how that came about. Now, certainly you told us about a, a very personal story, you know, the experience that you had with your mom. At what point did you think that you could turn this painful personal story into a job that was helpful to others. Let's take one little step back. When I think back 15 years about the time I was starting the journey with my mom, if somebody had told me I've been doing what I'm doing now, I'd say, you're crazy. Right. You couldn't write that scenario. It's just too unfathomable. What I didn't mention earlier that my mom lost her home in Hurricane Katrina mm. in Biloxi, Mississippi. And uh, of course she went really downhill after that, the mm-hmm. trauma, et cetera. Yeah. So that whole event changed my life because uh, I was working full time and I was a caregiver. 
after she passed away, most people don't want to have anything to do with it. I've done my caregiving. I'm finished. Yeah. I'm done. Yeah. But I became, I had been attending a support group. Mm-hmm. I became the facilitator. I started doing fundraising and awareness. Many alumni have probably uh, participated in the walk to end Alzheimer's, uh, whether they've been affected directly or indirectly by the, by the disease. Uh, I became, uh, I got involved with other fundraising with advocacy i go to the capitol and talk to our legislature etc but as i was approaching retirement uh knowing that okay i'm gonna have a pension i'm gonna have social security finance is not the main reason but i'm gonna probably want to do more of this and i about a year before i retired it became aware of this concept of a caregiving support consultant because there aren't that many people doing it Mm. and i looked into it and said hey this is something i can do I've, I've gone through the whole experience. It's something that I'm passionate about. I basically turned my personal loss and my pain into my passion and my encore career. And it just seemed like a natural thing to do. Uh, I'm not doing this to, for so much for the money because it's not necessary. Uh, some people do continue, uh, as you alluded to, when they retire, quote unquote, yeah. uh, may need to do continue to work for financial reasons. Mm-hmm. I'm doing it to help people. I'm doing it for the the customer service aspect and whatever I make on top of it, it's kind of like sriracha on the pad thai. <laughs> <laughs> so it's something I really enjoy doing, but it really doesn't feel like work. And between the balance of the actual client work, the volunteering, the networking, getting out, meet people, have fun, uh, it doesn't feel like work. It just, uh, it, yeah, I totally enjoy it. Yeah. So you started Cohen Caregiving Support Consultants in 2017, right? So it's been just about three years? Yes, correct. Tell me about, I mean, I'm glad to hear that it's not work, but tell me about the work that went into launching this business. I'm curious to know from sort of concept to actually sort of hanging your shingle out and um, what what that process was like, the paperwork, you know, the tax identification, those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Um, what should people know about starting their own business? I think even before that, when you mentioned about concept, uh, I know a lot of alumni are on LinkedIn, mm-hmm. and I used to be using it for uh, possible job searching. I ended up turning those skills about using the profile and groups and second connections, et cetera, et cetera, to find whoever I could find across the country who is in senior care, dementia care, caregiving, who I could find out what do they do, how do they get paid, how do they market themselves. And that became my basis first for this is what I'm going to do. Now I'm going to be able to start marketing it and develop my business and my and my clientele and let people know who I am and what I'm doing because I was basically greenfield, green space, because nobody knew who I was in that field except for people in the Alzheimer's Association. So once I started, then it was uh, becoming licensed with our state. For what I do, there is no like uh, regulatory body, mm-hmm. but I had to become licensed with the state, and I had to obtain liability insurance. Mm-hmm. Because I wanted to protect myself, yeah. And then with the various things like website, yep. getting a domain for my name, the marketing, uh, yeah. marketing materials, etc., and went from there. Yeah. So three years in, you know, I I know that you've uh, you've done some good work. When you look back, is there anything that you would have done differently, or things you you know now that you wish you knew in 2017? 
That's a good question. I really don't think there's anything in particular. It, it would be more fine-tuning. Maybe some uh, organizations I would not have relied upon or become affiliated with. Uh, maybe looked at uh, other approaches. But one of the first things I joined was my uh, local chamber of commerce. Uh, we had a reputation for being a warm, inviting, friendly organization, and it's been that way from the beginning, and I've seen the benefits or the fruits of it from right from the first month because I was the only person doing it, and they saw me coming in and getting involved, participating, volunteering, and I started getting business right away. And that was that was really gratifying. That's great. So um, I'm curious, in terms of the work that you're doing in, in senior care and consulting, are you really more of an expert for resources and support in Oregon, or are there aspects of what you do that are sort of nationwide or global? Good question. Most of my practice of my service is in the Pacific Northwest mm -hmm. and the greater Portland area, including Vancouver, Washington. Okay. But I have helped people uh, nationwide that either the family member who has dementia is out of the area and their family is here or vice versa. Yeah. And I can, if I don't know somebody in those other areas, I know how to find them because I'm looking for similar people that I collaborate with here, mm -hmm. including, uh, as I uh, mentioned, one of my, uh, my certification is certified senior advisor. Mm -hmm. And those are people who have had training, uh, education on the whole range of topics that you need to know in order to advise people who are aging or more specifically with dementia or Alzheimer's. And that's a good example of the kind of people that I look for because they're going to be certified. They've gone through a, 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 a very stringent curriculum to obtain that certification. Yeah. So I can I can help them find resources. Anywhere. I've been from D.C. to Florida, California, just for everywhere in between. So where can people read more about your business, Cohen, Cohen Caregiving Support Consultants? Do you have a website that people should read up on? or? Yep, you well, pretty much said it right there, <laughs> CohenCaregivingSupport.com. Okay, perfect. So, mm -hmm. And I also have my Facebook group, which is open to anybody who is a caregiver or a professional provider, and it's pretty easy to find because it's called Dementia support group for caregivers with Bill Cohen. And it's growing uh, just in a few months. We have almost 300 members and it's international. Bill, as we talked about, you've had so many different chapters in your career. Is this, would you say this is sort of like the perfect calling for you, at, obviously at this stage in your life? And I'm curious to know what you, you know, how much longer you see yourself doing this? What do you hope to accomplish in the next five years or so? I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. I could do this the rest of my life. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, again, it, to the extent that it doesn't feel like work and it's gratifying, I can do it as much or as little as I want. I like to use the analogy of somebody at my local gym who's uh, really retired. He's like 75, says, I'm a self-scheduler. Well, mm. that's what I am, too. <laughs> so I could do it as much or as little as I want. And it doesn't, like I said, doesn't feel like work. It may become where I do less with the business aspect and it becomes more of the ongoing volunteer work mm. yeah. you know like the facilitating the support group 
So my last question for you, when you know, thinking back over the extent of your career and all the twists and turns and the moves that you've made and the, you know, jumping from sort of one industry to another and back again, starting your own business later in life, what advice do you have to share with people who might be listening who feel like they just want to make a change but don't really know how? What, what advice would you share with folks in, in order to help them get unstuck? Follow a strong interest or a passion. Mm. Most of us are doing things for the money, for the salary, for the benefits, for the, uh, used to be for the pension. That's, it's a different situation now. But to find something that you really can throw yourself into that you're passionate about and do the research. As I said, I do, I talk to a lot of people. It's like when people are looking for a care, a physician, you do an informational interview, right? Do the same thing for looking at a, a different career or for starting a business. Uh, talk to the people that are doing similar, but maybe find something that's your own niche. And as I like to say, around here, nobody else is doing what I'm doing. Unfortunately, for the past three years, I've had to explain to them because they don't know what the heck I'm doing <laughs> until I can tell them. <laughs> well, Bill, between putting BU in your will you know, being a member of the Claflin Society and the, the countless number of networking events that you hosted for BU in Portland. Um, I've known you for, I've known of you for a long time, and I'm really, really glad mm-hmm. I had a chance to, to be able to sit down and chat with you and hear more about your story. Um, thank you for everything that you've done for BU, and, and thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Hey, I appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. Thanks again to Bill for joining me on the podcast. To learn more about Bill's consulting practice or to join the Caregiving Support Facebook group he mentioned, you can find the links in the show notes of today's episode. And I'd like to take one more moment to thank Bill and all of our Claflin Society members who've made the generous decision to include BU in their estate plans. If you'd like to learn more about the Claflin Society, visit BULegacy.org. On behalf of everyone on the BU Alumni Relations team, thanks so much for listening to Proud to BU. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast wherever you find your episodes. I'm Jeff Murphy, and no matter where your path takes you, be proud to be you. The Proud to Be You podcast is produced by Boston University Alumni Relations. Our theme is from Jump and APM Music. To learn more about Proud to Be You, visit bu.edu slash alumni slash podcast.